Welcome to the Wanda Capital podcast. This is episode three. Uh, I'm Khalid Telhuni, managing partner at Wanda Capital. Uh, before getting started, I just want to apologize for some of the sound quality. Uh, we will try to get it better next time. This episode will focus mainly on the e-commerce sector, and we have a fantastic panel of guests that will be sharing their opinions. To learn more about Wanda Capital, go to www.wamdacapital.com. Today, I'm joined by an esteemed panel of some of the region's experts uh, in e-commerce. Um, so without uh, any further delay, let me hand over to our panel to introduce themselves, starting with uh, Shant. Yeah, good afternoon. My name is Shant. I'm uh, heading the e-commerce, retail, and online services team at Facebook for the Middle East and North Africa. Very pleased to be here. Hi, uh, first and foremost, uh, today is the first day of Ramadan, so Ramadan Karim, everyone. Uh, my name is Omar uh, Sududi. I am the managing director of uh, Payfort. My name is Ala Isalal. I'm the founder and CEO of Jamalun.com, the largest online bookstore in the Middle East. Uh, hello, Hussein Wahbi, country manager, Aramex uh, UAE. So thank you all for being with us today. We really appreciate you all taking time from your busy schedules to talk about this very pertinent topic for the region. So um, to start off, maybe we can, uh, we can start talking about something very critical for e-commerce payments. Uh, Omar, this is your area. You've seen the development of the payment space and e-commerce space in the region over the past uh, few years. Uh, I think it'd be worthwhile if you could tell us a little bit about how consumers uh, how consumer payment behavior has been evolving over the past five years, and, and where, do you think, where do you see that trend going? Uh, first of all, uh, we, we're the fastest growing region when it comes to uh, online payment, uh, mainly because of a new or more online buyers. So a few years ago, Egypt had only 5 million online buyers. Today, Egypt has around 17 million online buyers. Uh, similarly, in Saudi Arabia, it was around uh, 6 million. Now we're looking at 12 million online buyers. UAE was at uh, 5 million. Now it's around uh, 7 million online buyers. So. The, uh, the, the, the demand is definitely there, as well as the supply. So we see a lot of uh, offline retailers going online. A lot of successful startups like uh, Javelon have not only launched, but they're actually in the scaling mode right now. So um, with both supply and demand happening in the region, we're seeing a lot of uh, traction year over year. And we anticipate that, the, that this growth rate will continue uh, in, tw tw in 2020. We just released uh, State of Payments uh, dot com uh, last week at cars and payment we anticipate around 70 billion dollars of online payment in by 2020 in in the, in the entire region so um, a lot of the indicators are extremely healthy uh, it is a good uh, time for uh, a company to go online and also for a startup to actually start their business uh, because online payment is uh, it's still a challenge but i don't think it's a challenge that will take you out of business it's a challenge how to optimize your payment how to offer uh, various payment methods to different people in order to increase your conversion. So we're seeing a lot of uh, inroads in, in, that, in that arena. Something that comes up time and time again when I'm talking to um, e-commerce entrepreneurs is the challenge of COD. How are you seeing that shift over time? Is COD still the largest part of the um, revenue mix for these, for these companies? Um, will that change? What's driving the fact that it remains uh, generally high percentage of the, of, the, of the revenue mix? Sure. The first thing we have to make in terms of GOD as a distinction, it's linked to a physical product, not to a service and not to a digital product or service. So, for example, if Gemalone is selling a physical product versus a digital product, you'll find that the digital product is really skewed 
away from COD. It's only about uh, online payment. Uh, so uh, f around 40% of online payments in the region is for e-commerce. Um, but of course, if you look at e-commerce sector, yes, around 80%. What's the rest of that 40%? So it's 40% e-commerce. Where does what's You have travel, you have utilities, you have government, you have uh, entertainment, uh, airlines, uh, digital products. So you have, you have, uh, you have, uh, you have multiple uh, other verticals. With, with the, the highest is, yeah. is travel and airlines, yeah, followed okay. by, uh, by e-commerce. However, e-commerce in the last few years has been growing uh, faster throughout the, the region, with the exception of Saudi Arabia, travel has uh, ex uh, exceeded uh, uh, e-commerce growth uh, in, in the last 12 months in, in, in the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia. So going back to COD, um, um, uh, COD is a payment method. Uh, it's not, we, we don't see COD as a, as, a, as a deterrent of growing online. You find companies like uh, Uber and Karim actually offering cash on delivery. Why? Because if you look at our, um, our offline uh, payments, so if, let's look at the UAE, for example, 30% of GDP spend offline is through credit cards. However, 70% of GDP spend for retail is, 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 is cash. So we are a still a cash society. So until we reach, uh, uh, you know, the, the tipping point. Uh, so, for example, the UK last year alone, at end of last year, uh, they've had more online payment than offline payment. It was just last year. So we're still seeing, um, you know, uh, the fact, it's, again, it's supply and demand. Uh, the, U the Arab world is around 20% uh, banked population versus 50% banked population as a, as a global standard. So there's a lot of, uh, people think of it as a challenge. I think it's a fintech opportunity yeah. to help people enter into the uh, formal economy and become banked uh, individuals. Yeah, absolutely, and we think one of, the, um, one of the biggest opportunities in the region today is providing financial services to the unbanked yeah. and underbanked. But interestingly, you don't find much uh, in the way of pipeline in that area. And I think that's something that you'd pay for they're working on, right, with your accelerator. I mean, yeah, we're exploring a lot of fintech uh, uh, opportunities because payment is our core. Uh, FinTech basically will help support our merchant network, uh, the ecosystem, to uh, uh, you know, uh, kind of uh, uh, speed up innovation, in, especially in areas when it's not our, our, our core. Uh, but you see a lot of inroads with companies like uh, DuPay, for example, in Egypt, yep. really offering a lot of bank solution, Fauri as well. I think Egypt kind of has led the way in terms of yep. offering various products and services for the, uh, for the unbanked. In Jordan, if you look at the Jordanian Central Bank, they're very active. Uh, they, so they led with regulation. They said, let's regulate in order to allow the proper ecosystem for companies to come and set up legally and, 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 and perform their duties and tasks without having to be in a, in, a, in a gray area. And we see that actually happening across the region as well, that regulators are becoming more in tune to what's happening. In order to allow entrepreneurs to innovate, they need to, to regulate. Excellent. Ala, what's your view on COD for your business? Do you see that shifting over time? Is, is the fact that COD is such a big percentage of the revenue mix um, an issue for you, or, or does it not really affect your business? Well, I think for us, we consider it uh, an opportunity at Jamalun. Today, 80% of our sales come through COD. Uh, it's like uh, it's one of our competitive edges when you look at uh, global e-commerce players like Amazon who do not offer it uh, in most of the countries. Um, it helps people to try to come online because when we, uh, 
acquire a new customer or a new user, it's a challenge for them to buy online, to get the, give the trust for a website, to wait for the shipment to arrive. So it helps us to acquire customers. It removes the barriers uh, that they have when they come online. Eventually, we like to see a shift from COD to online payments, especially after the first sale. Um, that's a good segue to you, Hussain. What's, what's your view on, what's your experience been with COD in the region generally? Look, COD is, as Omar said, uh, we are a cash society. We cannot run away from this fact. COD is, is, is really a costly uh, way of, of doing business. It's not really that it's just collecting the money from the customer and paying back to the, to the shipper or to the entrepreneur. There's a lot of things that happen from the moment we collect the money and then we reconcile. So they co the reconciliation is, is, is not as easy as people think. That's why a lot of players run away from it. However, we, are, we see it as an opportunity. And as uh, uh, my colleague was just saying, uh, because not everybody is really having the courage to handle such amounts of cash. We're talking about millions of dollars of cash every day within the hands of our couriers. You need to have a pro proper process, proper method, proper system to be able to follow up on every single penny that you collect and then you reconcile. Uh, but uh, I can see that it's better for us and for also the merchants if everything goes later in the future to more an online payment uh, solution. But I believe it will take time, you know, because the trust in the internet payments or the online payments. Uh, Ala said something very important. It's a sales tool for him. Maybe his competitor doesn't offer COD. But if he offers COD, this is the number one competitive edge for him. Yeah. Uh, let me add to this. So what, actually what we found is that the customer is looking for an incentive to get their wallet out of their pocket. So when yeah. we launched a product like installments, for example, so uh, you can't split your payment over three months to up to 12 months, but you need your credit card to sp split your payment, which that doesn't exist on, on, the, on the COD side. It only exists on the credit card. Uh, Side. So that basically increased the purchasing power of, of consumers. And on e-commerce, we're seeing around 8% uh, of, of the total transactions are being converted to installments. Of course, there is a minimum limit depending on, on, on the bank. But overall in the region, uh, of course, there are outliers. But overall in the region, the, according to our research, around 51% of transactions are happening in, uh, in uh, COD across the board. 26% credit card, 8% prepaid cash cards. 6% uh, debit cards, 5% net banking, like Sadev and, and Knet and all, mm -hmm. all that stuff. And around 3% overall for like the uh, in installment plans. Of course, the outliers are Egypt at 91% COD, because at the end of the day, Egypt, the bank population is only around 10%. So that's why you find uh, a, big, uh, a big difference between uh, uh, you know, North Africa and, and the GCC. Well, something very important, also there is <laughs> we need to highlight the disadvantages of COD. You have two key ones. First of all, uh, uh, the returns. The return rate is very high usually compared to online payments because you know COD at any point of time, the, the consignee or, or the receiver, especially in this part of the world, he will tell you, I don't want the item anymore when it arrives to destination. So this will incur more costs on the return of these items back to the origin country. And number two, it depends on the industry itself and it depends on the product. Some customers who have exclusivity in one of the products, they can't enforce online payment. 
If you want to buy my product, you have to pay online. This works, and it works out. But whenever, when you have a lot of competition on the same business line, you don't have the option to say, no, only, I want only online payments or only just credit card payments. You will be out of the market. So different factors really play around here. here. Uh, shifting gears a little bit, um, Shant, could you tell us a little bit more about Facebook's view of e-commerce in the region and how you see the opportunity evolving over time? Sure. So I actually want to touch on uh, you know, where the consumer is today. Uh, you know, we've discussed kind of the operations and logistics of the business, but uh, from an e-commerce perspective, let's look at the business development and customer acquisition and engagement side of things. And uh, I want to, you know, point one thing that I call the M factor, the mobile factor. Mobile has changed the business. Okay, mobile has changed the way consumers engage with businesses. Uh, and you know, there, there's three kind of factors uh, around that. People's time and attention is on mobile. Uh, consumer behavior has been influenced by the discovery process when it comes to mobile phones. And as a result, from an operational perspective, the complexity to run an e-commerce business has increased because now the consumer journey is fragmented across many devices and across many channels, right? So whereas five years ago you were working predominantly and selling through desktop, now for the consumer it's extremely seamless for them to go from their mobile phone to carry on their uh, purchase journey on a tablet, go to a desktop, go back to their mobile, etc. So if we look at these three points of time and attention on mobile, mobile discovery, and a fragmented cross-device consumer journey, uh, if we look at time on mobile, approximately 4.5 hours a day are spent on mobile phones in the UAE. Okay. Uh, to give you a comparison, that's three hours a day in the US. So this part of the world is extremely mobile savvy, in some cases mobile first, in some cases mobile only. And most of that time is actually spent in apps. So if you look at the amount of time spent in apps, uh, we're looking at almost 55% of the time spent on mobile is done through apps. And predominantly in a very limited number of apps. So. Uh, We've seen that consumers are mobile, yet businesses are not. So if 24% of time in the US, for example, is spent on mobile every day, uh, less than 8% of advertising spend, so businesses trying to engage and acquire customers through mobile, uh, is done through mobile, right? So there's a huge disparity between where the consumers are and where businesses are going. This is in the US? This is in the US. Okay. In, in this part of the world, the disparity is even bigger, right? Less than 3% of total ad spend today is on mobile phones. Um, so consumers are mobile, businesses are not. Now, mobile... That's digital ad spend. This is yeah. digital or ad No, this is total, total ad spend. Total ad spend, okay. Ad spend. Uh, now, mobile creates also new moments to reach customers, right? We've, we've, I think we've all experienced it. We'll be waiting in line at the, you know, to check out uh, at the supermarket. We'll have our phones with us. We'll be watching TV and we're... Uh, multitasking with our phones out. Now, because of the use of mobile and the seamless kind of back and forth of how often they use their mobile, the path to purchase has become extremely complex. So people are buying everywhere. They start their journey maybe on mobile, they carry on on a tablet, they finish off on a desktop, or they might go back to a mobile phone. And this path to purchase that has become extremely complex is, is, an, increased, you know, is, is an increased burden on, on e-commerce 
uh, sites. They have to figure out where their consumers are coming from when it comes to acquiring their customers. And what we've actually noticed is that while mobile usage is very high, mobile transactions are actually not that high. And that boils down to the actual um, user experience on mobile phones when it comes to a conversion or a transaction. Ala, how do you see the mobile strategy being reflected in your business? And how, is that, how are you seeing that being borne out in the way consumers are interacting with Jamalon over the past five years? Well, uh, we monitor our spending online uh, on platforms such as Facebook and Google, and we see that the conversion date and the conversion cost for mobile users are much better than people who come through desktop. So it costs us less, and it converts more when people come through mobile. Um, we, we have been experiencing uh, lots of uh, deep targeting strategies with the platforms such as Facebook, where we target people when they are traveling or when they are uh, reading something or what they have been doing in the past. So the demographic data that we are able to target through online platforms is amazing once we find the demographics that we are looking after through mobile. That has been a blessing, and that is how we are uh, customizing the display advertising, which is expensive, mm -hmm. much more than the search uh, advertising. Omar, does mobile pose any specific challenge for you as you're looking at payments, or is it just simply kind of um, reskinning it for a, for a mobile environment? Uh, actually, I'd like to add to what Sean said. It's extremely so. What we see is that the user journey can, uh, you know, toggle from one uh, medium to the other. I can start somewhere and then I can end up in a in a in the, the final transaction in another medium. Uh, a lot of companies are not mobile ready yet, and it, I'm not meaning mobile ready. They have an app. You can have an app, or you can have uh, a, a mobile. Uh, uh, a channel that is optimized for, for mobile as well, and we do accommodate for both. However, we have been spending a lot of uh, time and investing a lot of money in our mobile SDK library to solve certain problems because there is an, an inverse relationship between uh, mitigating risk and user experience. Uh, the only thing that we found with mobile is actually mobile is a good way to actually mitigate risk. Um, we know exactly where you're located, you know, your, your behavior, you can if if your card is if if your if your if your if your phone saying you're in Spain and your the transaction is initiating from an IP address from the UAE, I mean that's a red flag that something is is actually wrong. So uh, mobile has been allowing to give us more data to manage risk, uh, you know, even better. And of course, with the on-demand economy, it uh, kind of put us into a completely different uh, chapter when it comes to uh, payment. Is that you you need to process a payment. Um, on demand, you ha and of course we understand that there are some uh, mechanisms in, in place by the card scheme, such as 3D Secure and uh, you know the CVC, where you put your three-digit code, which does not take place on an on-demand uh, application. So, how do you minimize risk uh, uh, while increasing acceptance and increasing success? So it is a delicate balance, and we it it it. Uh, Sometimes we're very successful from day one with our merchants, but sometimes it will take us some time to actually optimize, uh, you know, uh, where, where the merchant or the company is really happy with their, with their mobile channel. But sometimes it is more of a, we learn from that experience, and of course we've been doing this for quite some time, so 
Uh, now a lot of merchants do, do not have to go through that experience over and over and over again, whether it's with the acquiring bank or the card scheme or the issuing bank, because you have a lot of stakeholders and every stakeholder has their own business rules. So yeah. we've been able to kind of lobby our way through 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 the entire value chain. Hussain, uh, as, um, as the volumes of e-commerce pick up in the region, that and we were talking about this a bit earlier, but this must put a bit, little bit of strain on on um, 3PL and other logistics services that Aramex offers. How, how do you see that changing over time? I mean, do you agree with that statement or do you think that you know, the Aramex has, has been able to absorb the increase in volume? I mean, what's your general thoughts on that? The increase is, is massive. It's really phenomenal. We're talking about, it's always a double digit growth. You've never seen e-commerce growing uh, on a single digit. I remember the era of e-commerce started, or, or the trend, maybe six, seven years back. Before that, there was no e-commerce. More or less, yeah. And I can still remember the meetings that we had with the top e-commerce players globally now, maybe, or regionally, when it was still a one-man show with one or two orders, maybe a week. And then suddenly, you, you, there was an influx of orders and shipments that jumped from maybe one or two to hundreds and then thousands, and now we're talking about hundreds of thousands. So the growth is very big. Uh, but luckily, we were a bit seeing what was coming. Uh, we anticipated the, 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 that, that sudden growth, and we prepared our operations, our ground operations on the ground, not only in the UAE, in the whole region, in the Gulf, to cope with the, with the quick scale, if we can say, of, uh, of, of these startups. And uh, we can still see the growth uh, going forward in a healthy way, there's a bit of, of maybe a slowdown in terms of orders when it comes to consumer or customer confidence, and that's normal. Uh, however, uh, again, the pace of growth is, is still consistent and quick enough. And do you think there are any other services or offerings that Aramex or other logistics companies could, you know, are, are developing that could help um, um, facilitate the, the growth in e-commerce in the region? There is, there is a couple of ideas which I'm going to keep a bit as a surprise. We're talking to, we're talking to e-tailers to start at least testing or piloting these. New ideas that came up by our people and ourselves as consumers. You know, because now everything is, everything is online. When I buy something, I just go online and buy it. I rarely go to a mall. So a couple of convenient ideas are there. Um, we're waiting for somebody to start testing. The moment one of these uh, e-tailers starts testing that idea or, or service or product, I think it will roll out to everybody else. Shant, I think going back to Facebook for a second, you, what are the most interesting ways or the most innovative ways you found entrepreneurs using Facebook uh, for, for, re for online retail or mobile retail? So I think Facebook has been used uh, across the full purchase funnel or the marketing funnel by, by multiple e-tailers in the region in different ways. Um, some of them have focused on building a brand uh, with you know, going back to the trust issue of online payments. One of the issues uh, with that is people don't trust a name that they've just only heard about online, right? So uh, in terms of building brand awareness and brand recognition, uh, visual discovery plays a huge role. So 
videos, uh, you know, um, very creative visuals, both on Facebook and Instagram, which is also a Facebook property, uh, have been leveraged quite extensively by you know, e-commerce players in the region to build uh, credibility. And then further down the funnel, in terms of that hyper-targeting that we were discussing earlier, and showing people things that are very personalized in terms of uh, things they might want, further down the funnel, some of the products or solutions that e-commerce players have used in the region are what we call dynamic ads. Uh, you know, uh, what these are basically is based on the intent that people have shown on the e-commerce site itself. They might have looked at a specific product or service. When they go back to Facebook, which they check typically 14 times a day in this part of the world, they will be retargeted or remarketed with, uh, with Is that ads. a higher, is that 14 times a day higher than elsewhere in the world? It's about consistent. Consistent, with what okay. But what this hyper-targeting ad allows you to do is, based on the intense signals that you've gathered from people visiting your uh, e-commerce site, you can retarget to them specific products that they, that they looked at, maybe put in their basket, but they didn't check out, right? So these are called dynamic ads. So it's a very programmatic way, effectively, of showing and keep you know, uh, specific products and staying top of mind with consumers uh, on products that they might have looked at, shown interest in, but then didn't actually convert or finalize the transaction. So going around the panel here, um, perhaps each of you could give us a sense of where you see the opportunities within this vertical related to your specific segment. So Hassan, starting with you, where do you think the big opportunities in e-commerce are today uh, in the region? Look, opportunities, e-commerce is, is going to be now the, the, the future of every single kind of trade. And uh, the way we see it is uh, we are, as Animex, converting more into a B2C uh, uh, technology enterprise provider. So we are we, we're going to be more focused on B2C. B2B is going to be always there as the traditional service. But B2C is really uh, the, the right direction going forward. Uh, technology is, is, is our tool. We're investing in a lot of technologies, uh, and we capitalize on our operational strength now, plus our global network, to be able to ride, if we can say, the, the future of e-commerce. Great. So, so investing in technology. And sorry to and startups as well. Yeah. Again, you know, when you want to really focus on B2C, you would like to invest more on tech startups that will help you to scale. Okay. Okay. Because you know these startups. They're full of this risk, uh, risky souls, if I can say, <laughs> and uh, they're very light, agile, and they help you to in your transformation process when you're really transforming into a B2C technology-oriented company. And is that through looking at acquisitions or through partnerships or how? Different, do you different ways, them? different ways. And in, like, if I'm allowed to give you an example, in India, for example, in India we went, we, we've uh, we've partnered with one of the startups there. Uh, to help us in delivering uh, in, in the remote areas. And they were able to reduce our cost by 20%, plus they improved our operational efficiency and delivery time. So when we have such successful stories, we may think of going into a bigger partnership or maybe even acquiring these or, or in a form of a JV or something like that. So we test, we, and then we assess the benefits for both, and then we, we can think of the bigger picture. Clear. 
Um, speaking of risky uh, risk taking and uh, risky souls, uh, Ala, uh, as an entrepreneur, where do you see the big opportunities coming for you in in future? Well, uh, we can see clearly that uh, a C2C model started to evolve in the region. So I can see lots of small shops happening in Jordan, selling their stuff on Facebook, Facebook page, and they co communicate directly with people. They send Aramex to collect something and collect the cash. Similar uh, stores I have uh, met in uh, Saudi Arabia and Kuwait who are using Instagram. They add their products, they do all the transactions, the support, and they sell. So, uh, so like democratizing the sales process. Yeah, I can see it happening here that people could not find a platform that will uh, help them to do the C2C. So they started using the social media platform, uh, the different uh, platforms in order to be able to sell and meet the customers. That helps us and other e-commerce players because once you buy online, you broke a barrier that you will be able to trust a brand or to try from a bigger store later. So that helps all of us in the region once we have more people buying, whether it's through Facebook, Instagram, or anything, or Twitter. This will help us increase the number of people who are uh, who will buy online eventually. For Jamalun, it strengthens our platform, as we are a platform that connects uh, books with readers all over the world. So we support these small players. We give them special prices, even if they have a small bookstore or a small Page to sell on it. We partner with them to help us increase the market share or the market size of our industry. Yeah, I guess. I guess also what's interesting is in e-commerce, as in other industries, technology is allowing individuals to participate in a marketplace on mass as individuals. Right? They're able to um, create their own mini stores, sell online, uh, whereas before there were high barriers to entry to do any of that. Today. Right you can leverage the existing tools to, to get there. A simple uh, product that we launched this year, the Publish On Demand, will enable any writer or author in the region not only to sell on Jamalon, but Jamalon is connected to the rest of the platforms, Amazon, Alibaba, right. uh, Rakuten. So once you publish your book with Jamalon, uh, we have marketplace agreements where your book will be available through their printers all over the world. So utilizing the supply chain, the power of uh, just having uh, on-demand printing mm -hmm. uh, is solving the whole infrastructure issues of distribution for books. And it, it is democratizing the way that has been here for a long, long time, how books have been moving through borders. Um, so to, to actually to build on Allah's point of you know, C2C uh, marketplaces, um, so you know, we, we call this social commerce, effectively leveraging social media to start managing a business, right? Uh, to put things into context, there's 50 million business pages on Facebook globally, wow. right? 50 million business pages, um, of which 3 million are active advertisers, actually, on, on Facebook. Now, what we're seeing going forward, and you know, some of these have already been announced, for example, at the Facebook uh, FA to Developer Conference, is using some of the Messenger or WhatsApp type of platforms to, to take these social commerce businesses to the next level, of having these immediate one-to-one uh, -one customer ex, you know, servicing uh, through messaging platforms, uh, as while leveraging, obviously, these business pages as well uh, to, to interact, you know, to enable C2C. 
C2C uh, business transactions. Omar, where do you see the opportunity? Um, I, I mean, we started our journey over three years ago, and now we're in six countries. Uh, we, uh, we call ourselves the plumbers as pay for it. Uh, so we're, we're trying to connect uh, companies to local acquirers, local payment methods, local issuers, uh, alternative payments, and so forth. And uh, we, we are uh, breeding a new uh, breed of innovators. We acquired a company called White Payments, which is now we're about yes. to launch a new product called Start. So that allows merchants to transact online, but also offline, um, predominantly startups. Uh, we've Can invested in a company a like BitOasis. Sure, so, so Start basically, uh, some of the biggest barriers of a startup is to actually start, uh, yep. you know, going live and accepting payments. You have to go through, and, and Chant went through this, and everybody in this room went through this. You have to go through a security deposit, and you go through compliance with the bank, and they ask you for, you know, bank statements and this, and a firstborn and a blood sample, and you know, you know everything <laughs> basically. So, uh, so, so we we, ha we have been able to uh, to streamline that process in the last few years, waiving the security deposit and all that stuff, and minimizing the go-to-market time. But the start value proposition actually allows a merchant to go live in a matter of a day. Uh, so I integrate, I test, I go live, and then uh, how my business grows, how my needs grows, we will hopefully grow with, the, with, that, uh, with that merchant. Of course, there are some um, uh, homework needs to be done on our end, so we, we have been uh, fulfilling that uh, end of it, and we'll be launching in the UAE. Uh, we have launched, actually, but uh, under a beta test, and we'll be fully launching in the next month or so, similarly in Egypt, in Saudi Arabia, in Qatar as well and working on Jordan uh, as well. And we see that it would, uh, you have five million SMEs in, uh, in the region and the countries, only in the countries we cover, that do not accept payment, online or offline. Uh, wow. Yeah, so, so it's, it is a huge uh, uh, challenge, but we see it as, a, as, as an opportunity. If, you know, like Shan said, we need to increase the supply, but how do you increase supply without having a payment? How do I try to transact on a mobile or even try to transact on MPOS device and I don't accept payment uh, you know, uh, online or offline. So, uh, what we're trying to do is, you know, um, you know, remove the bottlenecks from the process, and uh, and that's exactly what we're doing. And also, we're looking at the the second generation of disruptors. So we know that, you know, blockchain and cryptocurrency will change the way payments are processed worldwide. Mm -hmm. Now you have an acquirer and you have an issuer, and you have a transaction in the middle. Yes, it will have some sort of a mechanism with with blockchain and cryptocurrency. Um, that flow would change, and that's why we invested in a company like uh, you know, yeah. BitOasis. So, yeah. full disclosure, we also invested with yeah. together in BitOasis. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. But, but, very, but very interested to see how you know, blockchain will start disrupting this. I mean, this we are looking at a couple of uh, proof of concepts with uh, BitOasis and Start. So, how we actually onboard a merchant rather than seven days, it takes seven minutes or seven seconds because um, there is an entity that issues a business license and then you can build a lot of stuff on the blockchain, you can give permissions to different entities to do different things, rather than asking the company to go and get an attested document and who has the power of attorney to do X and who has the power of attorney to do Y, you can do all these permissions on the blockchain. So we're trying not to use it only from a cryptocurrency point of view, but it's, it's actually how we can create a, an underwriting repository for uh, stuff like online payment, uh, you know, SME lending and so forth, because that's another area that we see will pick up because all that payment's coming in, mm -hmm. you can actually underwrite and give merchants 
credit facilities, whether it's an offline or an online merchant as well. Excellent. I think to uh, Omar's point of creating these starter kits, uh, it's, it, the onus is on us as you know, representatives of, of the large uh, companies in the online ecosystem to really enable these 5 million plus SMEs to get online and to, to jump onto the e-commerce bandwagon or m-commerce bandwagon or social commerce bandwagon, whatever we want to call it. Uh, you know, from, from our perspective, you know, customer acquisition and business development obviously is, is important in terms of getting more uh, traffic to your website and getting increased conversions, etc. And we understand that it's not an easy process for, for businesses to get uh, accustomed to. Uh, to that respect, we have various resources uh, to, to enable uh, you know, um, businesses to understand digital marketing better. One of them is uh, facebook.com slash blueprint. This is a crash course on digital marketing. You know, basically in about 12 hours, you cover all aspects that you need to know when it comes to, you know, from top of funnel to bottom of uh, funnel uh, marketing. Uh, we also uh, partner with third parties uh, uh, that we call Facebook marketing partners uh, to support uh, e-commerce companies in their quest to improve the digital marketing spend uh, and to improve their return on investment. And you know, I think I'm sure you know. I know Aramex has programs of the sort as well. So uh, the onus really is on uh, on on these larger companies in the e-commerce space to help out the next generation of SMEs uh, start transacting online. And also, I'd like to add one thing: is the role of a uh, online marketplace in developing of the ecosystem. So we have yep. Sue.com, Jaropado, Wedi, um, and 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 many others that uh, that actually can allow a merchant to an offline or an online merchant to start transacting. Yep. Uh, but we also see other uh, marketplaces that are evolving and becoming successful in a different vertical like Instachop, for example, when it comes to uh, online groceries. Around, actually, we see two big opportunities, especially. We see around 10% of the companies that come to want to set up an online payment out of marketplace, and the other 10% is an on-demand uh, on application. So these are the two trends that we're seeing in the last year that we, were, that, that we didn't see you two years ago. And I think that number is probably going to grow to 20% in the next uh, in, the, in the next two years as well, because a lot of companies simply just do not have the know-how to put everything together and go to market. So they need a third-party provider that has the 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 buyers that have the fulfillment that has all the infrastructure that they can offer in order to graduate to an RMX or graduate to a Facebook or graduate to a Jamalon afterwards. And maybe Hussein uh, talk a little bit about. Uh, uh, Aramex's SME programs and what, what Aramex does for, for SMEs? Well, uh, we, we, let's uh, rename them maybe more to startups because the biggest portion of our existing customers are SMEs. Uh, but we have yes, special, uh, special uh, kits for startups. We have something called the startup kit. If you are a startup, you just approach Aramex and you tell us that you are a startup, you will get a special kit that includes special rates, prices, uh, you will have some incentives and you will have some, we, we waive certain and specific charges that, that are there left and right. Plus, you will get definitely free mentorship sessions from, from us at any point of time. Uh, we've burned our 10 fingers uh, during the start, so we don't want you really to burn more than one or two fingers while testing the grounds. But we sit with you, we give you advice, we, we give you free consultancy and we tell you what we see in the e-commerce market, where are the opportunities, what are the challenges based on countries, regions, and how we can help you. So uh, uh, 
this is now initially we have more plans we have an UAE initiative that we may work on after the holidays which will connect startups together uh, under the Aramex umbrella which means all the startups that work with Aramex and have account with Aramex we're going to do a platform to connect them together so that they can give business together and support each other under the the the, the main support that they receive from Aramex so in in conclusion perhaps um if you could share any advice you might have for entrepreneurs starting out in, in this vertical, um, what would be the kind of main piece of advice you'd give these types of entrepreneurs? So I'll start, and it will be think mobile, right? Think mobile first, and in some cases mobile only. Your consumers are predominantly a mobile. Think of the mobile platform as your first port of call. I think supply is king. Uh, don't go and try to compete with, uh, you know, Souk and Wendy on, uh, you know, on consumer electronics. You'll lose. Uh, vertical shops. specific. Vertical specific. Like, uh, more long tail. Uh, okay. More focus more on the experience because there's gaps in supply for sure, and not not all the uh, e-commerce providers have everything that yeah. that they should have. So there is definitely gaps in supply. Alaa, what would you advise other entrepreneurs starting out? Well, I would uh, really advise them to explore uh, countries where we really are facing big issues with them, like uh, Algeria, Libya, Iraq, Tunisia, Iran. All of these are big opportunities. They don't have payment methods online. My biggest country in the Arab world could be Algeria, but none of them can buy from Jamalon to today because they don't have payment methods. So that's an opportunity for uh, a payment method. And even they don't have cash and delivery. So that's an opportunity to, for Aramex to see how we can solve it. These are uh, countries who are really hungry for products like Iraq. When we go to visit uh, uh, the cities there, they are not able to source any kind of stuff. They have cash, they have money, they have all kinds of uh, stuff in Erbil and other cities, but uh, they don't have the infrastructure. Libya is a big market, Tunisia, Iran is a big market that's becoming mature now and open. Uh, these opportunities not only will help the current companies, but also are big opportunities for newcomers and, and new startups to evolve and solve them. Great. My message to startups uh, is try to partner with, with the big players rather than trying to compete with them from day one. So get into, into partnerships with them and get all the support, and then maybe both of you can disrupt a third party somewhere <laughs> out there. Well, thank you very much. Uh, thank you all for joining us today. Uh, we really appreciate the time our panel took uh, out of their busy schedules to spend some time with us today talking about uh, e-commerce in the region. So uh, thank you very much.